0: If, uh, if we get to go on wilderness this year, on a wilderness trip with the guys up in Canada, this will actually be my 24th year um, being able to go on a wilderness trip and wilderness experience. And I know that there are some people that are in my life, and I'm starting to think too, because every year I get older, I start asking the question, am I too old for this? And Why do I keep doing it? And my wife, Robin, she's like, why do you keep doing that, Phil? Why do you keep going out and submitting your your body and submitting your will to the wilderness experience. I mean, why do you keep, um, what value do you see in going out and uh, getting in a van like sardines with 10 men to drive all night long to get to um, Ontario, Canada, to Algonquin Provincial Park just to get out and get into your canoes and your backpacks and uh, paddle across these big lakes and, Get on portages and sticking a 60-pound backpack on your back and a 70-pound canoe and portaging over the mountain or the hill or the the tra- down the trail and your your chest is burning and your neck's killing you from the um, from the yoke of the canoe and just to get on the other side and dump it in the water and put your pack in to paddle across and do it again for like five or six lakes a day to get into camp and then tear everything off of your back and go out into the woods and cut firewood and prepare for the night and then cook your meal over the, over the fire and then unpack your pack and get your stuff out and, and get your tent set up and sleep on the ground all night and roll all night long thinking, man, why am I doing this? And My back hurts and my shoulder hurts. And just to get up the next morning, pack it all back up and do it all over again and do that for seven days. Why would you continue to do that, Phil? And I... I will say to you the reason is, and I say this humbly, it's not because I'm some kind of powerful man of any kind, it's because I have learned the value and I've learned to embrace the necessity of the wilderness. I've learned to value the pain of the process that has helped me be a better man, a better husband, a better father, but more importantly, a better man of God as I have submitted myself to the process of wilderness and actually embrace it. We're in a wilderness right now, all of us. You've heard the the phrase, everyone's using the phrase, we're all in this together, and it's true. Worldwide, this is the global crisis. We're all in this together together, but we're not all experiencing it the same way. I'm in the middle of this crisis. I'm in the middle of it with you, but I'm experiencing it in a totally different way. I'm experiencing pressures, and a process in my own life that's totally different than yours. It's happening all over the place. We've got people that are losing their jobs or have lost their jobs, or you know that you're going to, or you're wondering if next week you're going to have your job. We've got people that are forced to stay home for all kinds of different reasons, maybe because your kids, you're not used to being at home, but now your kids are home. And you're trying to figure out, what does this look like now? And, and I've got extra expenses now, and how are we going to pay those bills when we are going to barely be able to make these bills that we have going on? And you've got people, I've, I've heard so many different stories, you've got people that, are at home from work because they're they're told they have to stay at home, and they've got a shelter in place at home, and you've got people that are essential workers that have to go to work, and, and they're at work, and, and sometimes in those cases, they're actually having to pick up extra work because of the people that were not essential that had to go home. And so you've got the people that are stuck at home complaining, get me out of here, what am I doing? I can't believe it, why can't I go to work like so and so? And you've got people at work going, Why am I here having to do all this? Why can't I be home like so-and-so? And And we're all in the middle of it all, right? I mean, we're all experiencing our own personal wilderness. we got people who are sick and people who are well. We have people that are recovering from this virus and people that aren't. We've got people with loved ones who have lost loved ones in the middle of this. What do we do when we find ourselves in a wilderness? And That's what I want to talk about today. In fact, I invite you to take your Bibles with me and turn to the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. In verse 37, we're in the middle of this study of Joseph, a legendary tale. and We're going to look at one verse today from his life, and then we're going to try to apply it to what we're going through right now as we together try embracing our wilderness. So take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 37, verse 36. We're going to look at this one verse together that gives us insight into where Joseph is in his story, and hopefully you've enjoyed what we've been going through so far. But what we find here in Genesis chapter 37, verse 36... Is this verse? Meanwhile, in other words, while everything's been going on that we have been talking about, meanwhile, the Midianite traders arrived in Egypt where they sold Joseph to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and Potiphar was captain of the palace guard. So, what's happened here is that Joseph is on some kind of new journey. Now I have a map that I'm gonna put up there. You're gonna lose me for a second as we look at the map. I want you to see this map because this tells you the journey that Joseph is on right now. So if you look in the upper right hand corner of the map you'll see Canaan up there. Interestingly enough, that's called Israel today. If you remember from the story, Joseph's dad is Jacob who God renames Israel, so now that area is Israel named after Jacob. Um, whom God renamed Israel, but they're up in Dothan, up in Canaan, is where this all started, and they sell Joseph into into the slavery in the hands of the Midianites, and they take that green line down along the coast, down all the way to Goshen, and then they go, not not this Goshen, by the way, but they go all the way down into Egypt. They're going to complete their journey down in Egypt, and that's where Joseph has been taken right now. I want to ask you, how many of you have ever had to uh, move to a new community, leaving your friends and your family, and you find yourself completely alone in this new place that's foreign to you, and you find yourself an outsider? I just want to ask you, if you've been in that situation, how does that feel? However you can see how that feels, you can apply that to what Joseph was feeling here, because Joseph is in the middle of what, humanly speaking we would call a dark valley or a life storm, but I'm gonna call it today, we find him in the middle of his own personal wilderness experience. He's been betrayed, he's been mistreated and sold into slavery by his brothers of all people, And now he finds himself in a foreign country where everyone is speaking a foreign language that he doesn't understand with foreign customs far away from his family and his friends and all that he holds dear and all that is familiar to him and he's all alone. Are you ready for this? At age 17. It's not just a foreign place. He's landed in Egypt a place that the bible tells us actually hates the hebrews he was part of the hebrew nation and the scripture says in genesis 4332 the hebrews were an abomination to the egyptians so much so they it made them want to vomit is what that abomination means and so much so they would not even sit at a table to eat if there was a hebrew in the pre, in their presence See, the Hebrews were nomads, and they were shepherds in their land, and the Genesis 46, 34 tells us that every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. And over the next several weeks, we're going to see how Joseph is going to be in his story, and in this personal wilderness, he's going to be exalted, trusted, tempted, tested, falsely accused, punished, and thrown into prison, and forgotten, we're gonna see all of that over a 13 year period, and what we know because of what we've already studied in this passage is that God has placed a dream in the heart of Joseph which is a vision of his future, and we know because we've read the story that God has a great, big, miraculous, God-sized, supernatural plan for Joseph's life, right? We know that to be true. I mean, God is going to, in this story, we're going to see God exalt him to the highest possible position of power and influence in the entire known world. But first, he's got to go through a 13-year wilderness. Now, I want to ask you a question, and I want you to apply this question to your own life and where you are right now, because here's the deal. I know that some of us are in a new wilderness experience with this crisis that we're in right now this global crisis but some of us were in a wilderness before the crisis and so now it feels like a double wilderness that we're in and i want to ask you this question is what joseph is getting ready to go through and is what we're going through is it part of the great big miraculous god-sized supernatural plan for joseph's life and for our life or not Is the pain and suffering that we go through in life and we experience often in these times, are the trials and the tribulations that we experience, the storms and the valleys, are those all places where God has forgotten us? Or he's taking a break from us and he's disconnected from us? Has God somehow lost us in the middle of the wilderness? Let me ask it this way: Does God have only happy places for His children, and happy experiences in store for us? And everything else that's not a party is some kind of punishment or deviation from the original plan? The answer is no. And I want you to hear that loud and clear. Have you been laid off during all this? Have you? Are you? Is your business in jeopardy? Have you, 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 is your business suffering? Are you in? Uh, anxious about the fact that you might lose your business? Are you missing those that you love? I, I am, I'm missing my whole church family. I even want to come to your house. I can't even come to your house and see you because of all this. Have exciting, important events of your life been canceled? That you've been anxiously anticipating i i know that one couple has been wanting to get married and now they're having to cancel and figure something else out for what to do and they had the big day plan which is the biggest day of a woman's life from what i understand are you stuck at home with people you can't get along with i probably sh- let me i should probably take that back it's so important My friend, listen, in in the middle of this, it's so important for us to stop viewing our own personal wilderness experiences as though somehow God was punishing us or has abandoned us. And we need to begin embracing these hard, difficult times as provision. (laughs) As hard as that seems, we need to embrace it as provision and growth and connection and preparation during this desert experience that we're having. I'm reading a book right now that I want to introduce to you and uh, a lot of what I'm saying today came from this author, John Bevere, and he writes this, and I want you to see it on the screen and write it down somewhere and post it somewhere in your home. Wilderness is a necessary place to visit on the way to the promised land. Man, I love that. I have embraced that because I have experienced that in my own life, in my own personal wildernesses that God has brought me through. Take your Bibles and turn now to Deuteronomy chapter eight. If you're in Genesis, just go to the right, four more books to Deuteronomy. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Bible. And go to chapter eight in Deuteronomy. And while you're going there, I just wanna put this picture up of this book. God, Where Are You? by John Bevere, Finding Strength and Purpose in Your Wilderness. I would encourage you to go online and buy this book, and get this book. Right now is a perfect time to read a book like this. I'm reading it. Um, We're going on a wilderness trip, if God allows us to. In September, we're going to take 32 men to Canada. Um, They're actually going to be, this is going to be required reading for them um, before we go on to the trip, if the Lord allows us to go. But I want you to look in in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, and look at what God is saying to his people. And in In doing this to those people, he's actually saying this to us today. So lean in, okay? Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. The Lord is speaking and he says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in this wilderness to humble and test you in order to know what is in your heart. Remember, people, and understand, embrace the wilderness because it has a purpose. The desert place has a purpose. Even though it feels sometimes, actually it feels most of the time like it's a negative purpose, it's not, in fact, quite the contrary. It's a positive experience. It's quite positive if you'll let the wilderness do its work in you because the desert changes you and changes me when we're in the middle of it. This is where the people of Israel finds himself, And our wilderness exists God is telling us here to train and purify and strengthen and prepare us for a whole new powerful and exciting move of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives and through us which will result in the production of spiritual fruit in our lives and the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the building of his kingdom here on earth through us because of the work that was done in us. But the problem with most of us humans, You okay so far? You still with me? The problem with most of us as humans is that we're so into our comfort, we so enjoy our comfort, that when we enter into the wilderness, and by the way, don't expect the wilderness to be comfortable. It's not. It's why it's called wilderness. The desert place is not a fun place, but it's a necessary place. When we enter the wilderness, we're stripped of all that is normal to us, and we start to feel uncomfortable, and for some of us, we begin to panic, and we begin to make unwise decisions with the sole purpose of trying to escape what we consider to be this horrible time in our lives so that we can get back to our normal lives. And when we do that, my friends, and most of us spend a great deal of our time looking for that escape route, we forfeit the growth that God wanted to do in us, we forfeit that, and we end up prolonging our wilderness experience because God has no intention of you ever going back from where you came in the same way that you left it. He expects you to be different when you go back there. This is what happened to the people of Israel. See, God led them out of Egypt. And in the the time when when they went into Egypt with Joseph, they had favor with the Egyptians. But after a time, they became the slaves of the Egyptians. And so all the Hebrew nation were slaves in Egypt. I mean, we're talking about whip to the back. You take care of our work. You do all the work. You make our bricks. You build our buildings. You, You run our rocks around everywhere. You build our pyramids. You do everything on the backs of the Israelites. And so God leads them out of that slavery and into the wilderness for a purpose. And we saw that in this passage in Deuteronomy to humble them and to test them and to see what was in their hearts. But because of their lack of understanding of this purpose and the fact that they did not embrace their wilderness, they whined and complained and they lusted and they murmured against the Lord. And the result was that they wandered around for 40 years and an entire generation lost out on what God called their promised land. It was a place of peace and provision that he had prepared for them, a land flowing with milk and honey, the scripture calls it, a land of opportunity and prosperity. He had no intention for his people, his his people that he loved, His chosen people that he delivered miraculously out of Egypt and out of their bondage. He had no intention of them staying in the wilderness for 40 years. None. They were supposed to go out there, learn their lesson, embrace their wilderness, learn what God wanted to teach them so that he could take them into the promised land and do all the wonderful things and take them on the great adventures of their life. My friends, this will happen to us, what happened to Israel. And we will forfeit and our kids will forfeit What God has for us, if we're not careful, and embrace our wilderness, and don't resist what God is doing. It's here, it's upon us right now. We're living in the middle of it, and it exists. First of all, if you're doing notes, you can jump these notes with me, to humble us so that we will hunger for him. Look at verse three of Deuteronomy chapter eight. The scripture says that he humbled you so it was to test them, to humble them and to test them and to see what was in their hearts. Remember, that's why he sent them into the wilderness. And he humbled you, verse 3, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had ever known. So I, I'm humbling you by causing you to be hungry, is what he's saying here. And then I'm going to feed you with manna. Now, this was some kind of bread that we're going to talk about here in just a little bit. It's some kind of holy bread. Um, heavenly bread, they call it the bread of angels, the food of angels, which neither you, no, no one had ever seen this before. You and your ancestors have never seen this bread. But I'm gonna teach you, I'm gonna feed you with this bread to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So I'm gonna humble you, and I'm gonna make you get hungry, and then I'm going to provide manna for you, that, for you to eat. That's going that. But that event, that that. Provision is going to teach you something that I want you to learn. Great, right? Sounds great. Now, this manna, you could call miracle bread. This is bread, and you can go study it and how it came, and it came in the morning, and they had enough, and they made, they made bread out of it, this, this stuff that landed on the ground when the dew came, and, and um, some people have called it the, the bread of angels, it was a superfood of some kind because it sustained life. All, all you needed to have was that. It had all the minerals and everything in it that you need to sustain life and to be a healthy individual, and you didn't need anything else but this. In fact, if you remember Elijah, Elijah went on a 40-day journey in the wilderness, and before he did, God gave him two pieces. Some people believe it was this manna, two pieces of bread that God gave to him, and on two pieces of bread, it sustained him for 40 years. It, it kind of reminds me of, um, of the Lord of the Rings. And I don't know if you are okay with me using a Lord of the Rings illustration, but it kind of reminds me of the Lord of the Rings and the, the lambless bread that Frodo and Sam used. It was, the, it was the only food that they had that sustained them for their journey. And this is kind of what this manna was all about. And so I want to illustrate this to you because if I were to think of what, what is manna, this heavenly food, this life-sustaining food, I immediately went to bread bread. Homemade bread and peanut butter and jelly. That's what, that's what would sustain me. All the life-giving nutrients that I need is in bread. Homemade, this is homemade sourdough. Came out of the oven this morning. In fact, if you were here, you'd be able to smell it. And I'd even give you a piece and offer you a piece. But this is what I imagine that God says, okay, I'm, I want to take you and humble you. I want to take you into the wilderness and humble you. And that humility is going to start with hunger. And you're going to be hungry. And I'm going to give you manna. Awesome, right? This is miracle food. This is like super food from heaven. And I imagine that there's like awesome bread, you know, that's like warm out of the oven every day and it's beautiful and it's got great stuff on it that I like, you know, like Jif peanut butter. This is like Jif creamy. Okay. It's not. It's not like that nasty stuff that you buy that's supposed to be healthy peanut butter that when you get into it, it's like concrete at the bottom but it's got oil all over the top and like, how do I eat this stuff, right? You know what I'm talking about. Right now, you're giggling right now so go throw that stuff away and go get some Jif because it's the best. And then, of course, we have Welch's Grape. Welch's Grape. Don't get store brand grape. Get Welch's Grape, okay? This is like... In fact, it's so good that this is the juice that we drink for communion. We used Welch's grape juice because it's like heaven stuff. So you got it? Manna. How awesome is this? You're hungry. Think about it. You're hungry. You're out in the wilderness. You haven't had anything to eat. You're starving, right? You're hungry. And God says, here. This would be like, oh my word. Mm, I'm so excited to eat this. Are you excited? You want some right now. Or I'm grossing you out. One of the two. How awesome is this? And I'm gonna pound this down and it's gonna satisfy me and then it's like, awesome God, now what's for lunch? And he's gonna say, manna. <laughs> Great, I love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I love this bread, I love to eat this and I'm gonna eat it for lunch and I'm gonna pound it down and I'm gonna say, this is awesome and it satisfied me, I'm ready for the rest of my day. And then he's, I'm gonna say, what's for dinner? And he's gonna say, manna. I provided it for you. That's great because I love peanut butter and jelly. I love this sandwich. I love it. What do we have tomorrow? Manna. Like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah, great because I love it. What do we have in the next day? Manna. And how about you? how do you think you would feel about this? If you ate this and this was all you had to eat for 40 years, that's what God did with his people. He took them into the wilderness. He made them hunger. He provided for them and the the food that he provided for them was life-sustaining all that they needed. And he gave it to them. He He met their needs. He said, I will meet your every need. And he gave it to them and met their needs every day. But like so many of us, that's not good enough. The lesson is, I want to humble you and cause you to hunger for me. Are you you satisfied with me in the wilderness? Or do you really need the variety of food that the world has to offer? That's the lesson. I sent you into the wilderness to make, to humble you and to make you hunger. So you're hungry, and I provided for you, and I provided what you needed every day to sustain your life, to teach you, the scripture says, that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I'm out there in the wilderness teaching you, providing your needs, and God's going to provide your needs, my friends, in the wilderness, but he wants to make you hungry for him in the middle of this wilderness. He created hunger for his people by removing all the things that they relied on for satisfaction and the cravings of their flesh. In fact, this illustration doesn't even go, because it wouldn't have had peanut butter and jelly on it. It would have just been the piece of bread. But see, I place what my desires are on it because I would want peanut butter and jelly on it. Who wants just a plain piece of bread? But that shows where my heart is. And God was removing all the things that satisfied the cravings of their flesh to see if they would desire him instead of all that they had left behind in Egypt. And my friends, they failed the test because they did not embrace the wilderness and they didn't understand the value of what was going on and what God was trying to accomplish. And in fact, Numbers chapter 11, verse four says this. The Israelites started wailing and said, oh, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna that God provides for us. We were better off in Egypt. No, they weren't. They were slaves in Egypt. But they desired the things that their heart wanted, that they wanted to actually go back. How fickle are the Israelites? And my friends, I just have to ask you, can you see yourselves in this right now? Can you see yourself? I see myself in it. This experience in their wilderness Revealed their intense dependence and desire for the things that they left behind in Egypt and it spotlighted their dissatisfaction with God and his provision in their lives. It wasn't enough. What God had wasn't enough and he was testing their hearts to see. The wilderness gives us an opportunity to examine our hearts. And what do our hearts desire? Are our hearts desiring God or what Egypt has to offer? I want to ask you in the middle of all this, are you finding yourself spending more time lusting after your time with God that He is affording you in this forced sabbatical, in some ways, that we're having here? Or are you just lusting after getting back to normal and back to your routine and back to the things that brought you, that met your desires, that the earth, that Egypt, could provide you. My friends, we need to embrace the wilderness because it exists to humble us and to make us hungry for God, not for the things of the world. Let's look at the the second thing, though. It also exists to test us so that we will grow up. Peter, the apostle Peter and James both speak to this. And look at Peter 4.12 with me. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through To test you. You see that? These trials that we're going through, they're there to test us just like they were the Israelites. God's doing the same thing with us. Don't be surprised as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be, say it out loud. Say those two words, the next two words out loud. Say it with me. Very glad. Instead, be very glad. Yeah, right, Phil. Am I supposed to be very glad in the middle of this? Yeah, That's what Peter says. James gives us some perspective on this in James 1, verse 2. He says, brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, of any kind, we're here and we're in the middle of it, consider it an opportunity for, say the next two words, for great joy. It's exactly right. Be very glad and consider it an opportunity for great joy. Why? How can God's people be filled with great joy in the middle of a crisis? It's for you know that when your faith is tested, there it is, Your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. Let God do the work. Don't resist it. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. You'll be mature in the Lord if you let God do the work of the wilderness in your life. Our Heavenly Father, my friends, listen to me. He is not a passive father. He is at work in all of this. We're experts at this at this church, aren't we? In Romans 8, 28 and 29, we know that God is at work in all things for the good of those who love him. And the good is that he is using our circumstances, our present circumstances to transform us and conform us into the image of Jesus Christ, his son. So the work he's doing in this wilderness time is making us more like Jesus. It's our opportunity to shine like Jesus shines. The wilderness and in the wilderness we find ourselves in, I want you to hear is part of his great, big, miraculous, God-sized, supernatural plan for our lives. It's not a deviation and it's not a vacation from it. It's a time for us to learn to wait on God. And I guarantee that God is on the move in your story right now in this wilderness time. And it's time for you to wait on the Lord and hear from his voice. For it is in the waiting, the scripture says, that you are refreshed. And some of you are in the waiting right now and you're freaking out and you're in, you're in all kinds of anxiety. And i got to get out of here. I can't stand the waiting. My friend, listen to me. Submit to the waiting. Isaiah tells us in Isaiah forty thirty one. listen to these words. Those who wait on the Lord, and wilderness is all about waiting, you will renew your strength. That's where the refreshment comes from. Those people who wait on the Lord and learn to embrace it, they're the ones who will soar on wings like eagles. And when the time comes to get back up and start running and start walking and start doing the work of the Lord, you will run and not grow weary. You will walk and not faint. So don't fight the process, my friends. Submit. Submit to the process right now. It's time for us to listen to the voice of God because right now, in this wilderness time, he wants to say something to you. It's your opportunity to become an expert listener. I don't know if you remember this story or not, but God took Elijah out into the wilderness for 40 years. No, I did not say that right, 40 days. 40 days and nights he went into the wilderness, into the mountain. Not to speak to him in the wind that tore the mountain, the scripture says. Not to speak to him in the earthquake that shook the ground. It wasn't in the fire, but it was, he, it was in the still, small voice. The voice that you can only hear in the silence of the wilderness. In the place where you turn off the noise and you disconnect from all that, that distracts us and all that steals and competes for our attention. It's only in the solitude of the wilderness that you can hear that small voice of God like Elijah did. And in that voice, are you listening? In that voice, like Elijah, we will get our next assignment. I want you to see this as we end here, that we need to embrace our wilderness because it exists to prepare us for the next adventure. The wilderness, my friends, is God's tool that he has always used from the very beginning to prepare his servants to do the amazing things that he has planned for them. The amazing, great, big, miraculous, God-sized, supernatural plans that he has for our lives. I'm going to keep saying that, and maybe I hope you're not getting tired of hearing that because it's true that God has this giant plan for you. We see it in Joseph's 13-year wilderness, and we're going to be spending a lot of time in that, how God used that wilderness to prepare him and to set him up to bring salvation for his family, which ultimately will bring salvation to the world. How awesome is that? But it took a wilderness to get him prepared for that. You see it in the story of Moses on his 40-year backside of the wilderness experience, Which he thought he was using to run away from his past. But God's like, no, I'm preparing you in this 40 year experience because I've got a plan for you to lead my people miraculously out of Egypt and into their 40 year wilderness experience. You see it in David's preparation for the throne. King David, he was getting prepared for the throne not by lounging in the palace. That's not where you learn this stuff. But by dwelling in caves and wandering around in the wilderness, it is there in the wilderness that God became his shepherd and his strength and his shield and his rock and his mighty fortress that he writes to us about in the book of Psalms. It was while being persecuted for his faith and suffering On the deserted island that John was visited, the Apostle John, by the Holy Spirit of God with a vision of the end of all time and is where he penned the great revelation of Jesus Christ. It was in the wilderness of Judea where the word of the Lord, that voice came to John the Baptist and prepared him to be the one to introduce Jesus, the salvation of the world onto the scene of our human experience. And my friends, listen to me. We actually see it in Jesus. Where after receiving God's great blessing at his baptism, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, walked into his 40-day wilderness where he faced the incredible temptation of Satan before beginning his ministry, his public ministry that would lead him to his death, which would provide a way of salvation to the whole world. We don't know what God is up to in the middle of the wilderness but we can trust that God is up to preparing us for the plan he has to use us in the future when we walk out of the wilderness can I take you one more place and then we'll be done in Acts chapter 8 verses 1 and 4 this is the beginning of the church Okay, so thousands of people have come to Jesus in their brand new walk. These are brand new believers in Jesus Christ. Verse 1 of chapter 8 says, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Picture this. You've got God's people. They're brand new Christians. They're all excited about their faith. You remember how that was when you first got saved? You're all You're experiencing the Holy Spirit. No one has ever had the Holy Spirit like this before. And they're all excited about it and they want to tell other people about it. And persecution breaks out and they're all literally running for their lives. Our early brothers and sisters of the faith understood and embraced their wilderness of persecution when they were running away because it says in verse 4 of Acts chapter 8 those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. They didn't scatter and go, go. Hunker down somewhere, they actually went out there and as they're running for their lives, people are saying, why are you running for your life? It's because I have new life in Jesus Christ and I want you to see this new life and I want you to have it too, but you gotta understand, if you take Jesus, you're gonna have to run for your life too, but it's the best life we can have. They totally understood their wilderness experience and it ended up taking the gospel to the entire world. Hebrews 11, 35 says that they were tortured because they refused to turn from God in order to be set free. In other words, they chose God over their own desires. They chose God and his path that he had for them over their own luxury of not uh, not undergoing and having to go through the persecution. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection because their focus wasn't here on the earth. Some were jeered at, their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning, some sawed in half, others were killed uh, with the sword. Some were going about wearing skins of sheeps and goats, destitute, oppressed, and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. My friends, our early brothers and sisters went through hell on earth for the advancement of... Of the gospel, that was God's plan to scatter them so that the gospel can be spread to the ends of the earth. Jesus, when he taught us to pray, he said, This is how you need to pray Father, your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. These are the words of a person, a child of God, who knows what it is to submit to God their Father. And to his plans and his will and not ours. And that's what we do in the wilderness. Embrace our wilderness. And when you do, you humbly submit to the process of purification and preparation. So that God's amazing, great, big, miraculous, God-sized, supernatural plans. That he has planned for you before the foundations of the earth can be accomplished here on earth as it is in heaven. Do you remember Job. After all that Job went through and his own personal earthly wilderness experience, he concluded with these words in Job 23.10, God knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. That's a child of God who has learned to embrace his wilderness. My prayer for you, my friends, is the same prayer that Paul had where he looked at the people of God and said, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. God's working in your story right now. He has a purpose in this wilderness for you. My invitation is embrace it and trust him in the middle of it. What are you hearing God say to you right now? Can you even listen? If not, then the challenge is to be still and wait on the Lord and listen to his still small voice because he wants to speak to you. I would encourage you to write your story in. Journal through this time. And if you've got a story of where you can hear the voice of God and you know where God's taking you and the things that he's sees would you write those into me? Email them into me. I'd love to hear what God is doing in your personal wilderness. I'm gonna pray for you now and we're gonna end our time. Um, <clears throat> but I just wanna encourage you and hopefully these words today have encouraged you to persevere. In fact, don't just persevere. Welcome the wilderness and embrace it, and look to see where God is at work in it. We're going to meet together Friday night, this, this Friday night. Um, it's Holy Week, and we're coming up on Easter, and we're not going to be able to gather together like we had hoped to for our Good Friday service. at 7 o'clock Friday night, but we're going to live stream it, so hopefully you'll join us as we ponder this phrase, nothing but the blood the blood that was shed for us when Jesus died on the cross. And then on Sunday at 9 o'clock, we're going to come back together and we're going to rejoice in the fact that he finished the work there in the empty tomb for you and for me. Hopefully you'll join us. Invite somebody to join us online also. Some of your friends just say, here's how you can get online. Get online and join us for Good Friday service at 7 o'clock this Friday and Easter services at 9 o'clock next week. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray that you'll help my friends through this time, that you'll strengthen them as you grow them, that they will embrace the pain and the, pur- the purpose of the pain, and that they will embrace the necessity of this time because of the work that you're doing in them in order to prepare them and prepare all of us to do the great work that you have prepared for your church. We're excited to see all that you're going to do because we know you will not waste this wilderness time. We give it to you, Lord, and I just want to pray for my brothers and sisters that you'll provide for them, that you'll strengthen them, give them wisdom. They've got some big decisions to make. I pray that you'll provide their every need like you have promised and that they will draw their hearts close to you. In Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen. I love you, my friends. God bless you. We'll see you next time.